Today we uh, end our series on Baptist DNA, what makes this a Baptist church and why that's important. And today we're going to uh, wrestle with a little bit the topic of biblical authority. Biblical authority. Uh, Honestly, this is the least exciting topic in in these four weeks for me. Um, And and I'll admit up front, this is going to be a weird sermon. Um, It may be, you may say, well, that's going to be more like a Bible study. Um, Anyway, I just brace yourselves like usual when I preach. Um, It may be a little bit different than what you're expecting, but the we're going to start with a, a scripture um, from the New Testament that, that captures what, what this is about. And, and really for Baptists, for almost the 400 years that Baptists have exist, existed, um, Baptists have described themselves as people of the book, meaning this book right here, the Bible. And when we look at, at the first passage of scripture today, 2 Timothy 3 verses 16 and 17, uh, this kind of encapsulates what that means in, in some ways. 2 Timothy 3, starting at verse 16. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. And we're going to dwell on the, on the first part of that verse for, for just a moment. The, the idea that Scripture is inspired by God, or the more literal, literal translation is God-breathed. That God breathes Scripture into existence, and God continues to breathe through it into our lives today. Um, I, I thought about wrestling for, for a few minutes about how things have changed in our society over time, how used to um, the vast majority of people grew up going to Sunday school, grew up going to church, grew up with an understanding of the Bible, an understanding of what was in this book and what it said. Uh, Several years ago, I asked my seminary professor who had been teaching students like me for for generations almost, and, and I asked her, what's the biggest difference you've seen in, in seminary education or, or Bible education. And in, without pausing, she, she responded immediately. The lack of knowledge of the Bible um, in students today as opposed to in the past. Just fewer people um, have, have spent time reading the Bible, have spent time studying the Bible. And this, this concept of the Bible being inspired by God um, is, is more and more of a disconnect with with folks in the church and people outside the church. Um, a lot of people outside the church feel like, well, you know, that, that might be your holy Bible, but for me it's a, it's a bunch of myths, or, or I don't put as much stock into it being the inspired word of God. But as Baptists, that's something we've held on to and continue to hold on to, that perhaps more than anything else, God speaks to us through the Bible. And to get at that this morning, we're going to, to look at, at three different um, pieces uh, of this. And, and first of all, we're going to think about how the Bible came to be. And I'm just going to scratch the surface on that because there, there are so many different ways we can go to that. And I'll try not to get too sidetracked with that. But, but how this Bible, how this book came to be, came into existence. 
Um, second of all, we'll talk about interpreting Scripture and, and some cautions there and challenges and, and, you know, things that can go wrong with that. And then finally, uh, at the end, we'll talk about applying the Bible to our lives. And for me, that's really where the rubber hits the road. If, if you want to snooze for about 15 minutes and then wake up then and catch that part, that, that'd be fine with me because that's what I'm most excited about this morning. But when we think about the history of the Bible, how it came to be, um, there's a few things that, that we need to remember uh, historically. Um, because, of course, things were much different as, as the stories of, that we have in Scripture, as they evolved and came to be. Um, of course, in ancient times, hardly anything was written down. The stories we have in Scripture developed and, and came to be in a time where, where um, stories were passed down orally, um, an oral tradition. People would, would gather, and someone who knew the story would speak, and everyone would listen. And that happened from generation to generation. So, so the Bible came to be um, through that process, through the stories. People observed things, people heard things, people passed things on. Eventually, uh, especially when we think about after Jesus' life and moving into to after the church had formed and began to grow, uh, more and more common it came to be that, that uh, monks or scribes would write down these stories. Um, of course, again, another piece, so many people uh, didn't know how to read and write back then. That, that became a thing as, as education grew, that more people began to, to write down scriptures. And in this section, I'm going to really emphasize a lot of the challenges that happened to that. Because if, if you can imagine being a monk in a monastery in a dark room with a little candle as your only light, and, and over here to your left, you have a copy of, of some scripture passage. And here on your right, you have a blank parchment. And you're told, okay, Todd, your job is to sit here and copy that across hour after hour, day after day. And, and I'm sitting there 10, 12, maybe 14 hours, and that's my job. And I, I'm going I'm to focus a little bit on the negative here or on the, the challenge here. Because how God works throughout the entire Bible and throughout entire creation, we are involved. God chooses to involve his people who are fallible, who aren't 100% perfect. And there were instances, of course, where someone like me would be writing something and I might doze off and I might misalign as I was copying it over. I might, you know, just misread something and, and write it down the wrong way. Those small things that... that came into the translation as it, as it moved from an oral storytelling to a written document uh, that just are, are re realities. Um, if you know some of the passages, like Mark chapter 16, verses 9 through 20, if you have a good Bible, you may want to open it right now or, or the study Bible and just see if you notice the footnote there in Mark chapter 16 in, in those verses, the, the la very last verses of that book. If you've come across that before, it says, the earliest manuscripts and some other ancient witnesses do not have verses 9 through 20 in them. And there are times I remember realizing, whoa, what are you talking about? I thought growing up that God just kind of snapped fingers and this book came into existence. But the reality is, is that over time these manuscripts were written 
And there were some that included some passages and some that didn't. Um, and, and, and challenges like this begin to creep in. Another aspect that's even more complicated is the fact that we have no original manuscripts. When the stories were first written down the very first time, we either never found those manuscripts or they, they just were destroyed. Somehow we didn't have this. So what we have, thankfully, are copies of copies of copies. And thankfully we have a lot of those copies so that we can compare them and, and reliably know that this is the stories that were originated so many years before, and yet we know consistently that this is, this is God's word. This is what has come to be known as God's word. So obviously I'm painting a picture of the challenge here of how this book came into being. But for me, the, the incredible thing, like the stories throughout scripture, or how despite all of those things, how, how despite all of those challenges, despite the feebleness of people like me and monks and scribes and people that, that could make mistakes, how God brought this holy Bible into being and has put it before all of us. Um, of course, the, the printing press wasn't invented until about the 1400s. And then the big thing in, in church life was in the 1600s when the King James Version of the Bible was authorized and then printed about 1611, I believe. And for the first time, if you think about all the centuries leading up to that, all the people that practiced their faith without a Bible in their hands, when King James authorized that version, that allowed the people to have a Bible that, that they could have for themselves. And we are so fortunate on this side of history to be, to be in that realm where we have the Bible interpreted in translations that we can, can use and follow. Um, but I hope just in, in that glimpse of how this book came to be, obviously there are challenges, just like you and I face challenges, just like the church has faced challenges over the, the centuries, but yet God was faithful, and God brought God's word through that, and we are so privileged to have that in front of us today. So, okay, way more than enough about how the Bible came to be. Um, moving on to interpreting the scripture. Um, again, challenges with that. Probably, I wouldn't have to ask many of you uh, to think about, have you ever seen someone use a scripture passage out of context? Or take a verse or something and use it to justify their agenda or justify what they want to accomplish? Happens all the time, unfortunately. Um, so, going ahead just on a few pieces, um, uh, details to keep in mind as we think about taking God's word and interpreting it. Um, first and foremost, we have to remember that there are different types of literary genres in the Bible. There are um, a lot of narratives, a lot of passages like Exodus and like the gospel stories of Jesus that are, are recounting what happened in a narrative form. Um, of course, there's poetry, like in Psalms. There's wisdom literature, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, other places like that, prophecy. Um, and then I think for me, the most challenging when it comes to interpretation are the New Testament letters or the epistles. 
um, probably more than anything else, those are the, the passages of Scripture that people can take out of context. They can, they can pick and choose and use to justify what they want to prove right or wrong. Um, and I, I came across a couple of those verses just to share with you. Um, one of them, uh, just for example, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 34. I doubt many of you, if any of you, have this one memorized. 1 Corinthians 14, 34. Women should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission, as the law says. I didn't tell Carolyn I was going to read that today. She's probably going to be um, silent to me for the rest of the day after I read that. But, you know, there's a verse in the Bible. If I want to pull that out and justify that for an agenda I have, I, I can do that. Um, we, we can look to other things over the years. Of course, slavery is something that, that people have, have pulled specific verses out of the Bible and say, look, it's there in the Bible. The, another verse that may be a little bit more challenging or, or something that my eyes have been open to that's, that's a little different, is Philippians 4.13. It's another verse. Uh, many of us know this verse. It's something that's on posters all the time. It's something that we claim um, when we want to try to achieve something or, or do something great. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Great verse. Encouraging um, a way that we can look to, to trying to do something with, with Jesus' strength supporting us. And as, as I, I've, I've claimed that verse for myself um, when I was younger and I was trying to accomplish something athletically or man, when I had a big exam coming up and God, I really need your help, but I can do all things through you. I would, I would take that verse and apply it selfishly in, in some ways to me. And, and that's, that's, you know, part of the interpretation piece. But more lately, I, I paid more attention to the verses around that and the context that, that's around those specific words. And the way I've come to interpret that now is, is Paul is talking about a much bigger piece of being content in the Christian life. Even if I barely have anything to eat, God, I can do all things through you who gives me strength. Even if, if the world is against me and I'm, I'm just going to be thankful to make it through the day, I can, be, I can do that through you, Jesus, who gives me strength. Very, very different kind of meaning um, for me. And that's the thing I would emphasize as we interpret scripture, um, especially those letters, we have to remember they're written to at a specific time in history and when certain circumstances were going on to a specific group of people, usually for a specific purpose. And then just as Ryan reminded the kids earlier, when it comes to interpreting, it's always best to do that with another person or, or a group that gets together and talks about those things together. Um, we talked last week about the, the blessing that the priesthood of the believer means to us, the, the idea that I can connect with God directly and God can de- correct, connect directly to me. Um, but when it comes to interpreting Scripture, it's always safer, it's always better, it's always wiser to do that with other Christ followers as well. So we can ask questions together, we can share ideas together, and we can move forward together. So we've talked about some of the just challenging things of how this book came to be, 
talked about some of the, the challenges when it comes to interpreting it and interpreting it well as God intends. Um, but how do we really apply it to our lives? And again, for me, this, this is the most important piece of this whole idea. Biblical authority in Baptist life, um, more than anything, it means that as God has breathed the scriptures into existence, God wants to breathe that into my life. It's a living, active word that can transform me, that can move within me, that can make a difference in my life. And this verse in 1 Thessalonians really captures that. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 13 says this, We also constantly give thanks to God for this, that when you received the word of God that you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as what it really is, God's word, which is also at work in you believers. And that, for me, I underline that last phrase, it is at work within you. God's word is moving within you and transforming you. And I think probably for all of us, I know for sure in my life, there's this challenge of, of interacting with God's word and, and how easy it is, especially, you know, Sunday morning, just like today, how easy it is to hear a sermon, walk out the door, an hour later, somebody asked me, what was the sermon about today? Um, yeah, I got to think really hard to, to, to remember sometimes. Um, so I'm going to share with you a very, very practical um, tool that we can use to, to help God's word indwell, not just our head, not just our mind, but move toward our hearts and to, to really help transform us. This, uh, what you'll see on the screen, is um, called the hand illustration. This is developed by the Navigators College Ministry years and years ago. If you go to the Navigators um, website, you can find this for yourself. But you'll notice um, the hand, there are every finger and the thumb has a word associated with that. And this is a progression of how we can engage and interact with God's word. And this is a tool that may seem kind of simplistic, kind of basic, but I really encourage you, if, if you are, feel like, wow, I, I'm not hearing God's voice in my life like I would like to, this will be an incredible way for you to, to try to make a difference in that area. Um, it, we start with the pinky finger in this illustration, and that is simply hearing Scripture, just kind of like what we're doing now. If we just hear it and walk away, um, God's Word can slip away from us very, very easily. But the second thing we can do, in addition to just hearing it, is reading it. Taking time daily or weekly or however it works in your life to spend time reading that. Then the third, the next progression, is to study it. Spend time um, doing a little bit of research, reading some Bible notes, comparing verses, but, but diving in just a little bit deeper, digging into the context of, of what was happening at that time in history when, when that passage is written, but to really study it. And then to move to the fourth uh, step is, is a quite, quite a step in discipline, quite a step in commitment, and that is to memorize it. And I know many of you have memorized scripture, probably still do. Um, and that is a tremendous opportunity to help take God's promises, to take God's word, and to cement it in here. 
much more strongly. When someone asks you, what, what is this or that, you know, you, you have it. You have it committed in your mind. And there was a stage in my life where I was very, very um, rigorous. I was even legalistic in doing these first four things. And, and when I would stop with memorizing it, um, I had a lot of Bible knowledge up here. But yet it wasn't sinking in down here. It wasn't moving to my heart. And it was really easy for me to spout off a lot of verses, talk about Bible stories, do different things. But it wasn't until I moved to this fifth thing, which the thumb represents, when I really began to, to spend time quietly meditating on those passages, meditating on those promises to God, that God's word in this, this weird, powerful, God-breathed kind of way sunk not just into my head, but sunk into my heart. And, and honestly, that, that changed me in a way that I've, I've never experienced before. Um, for people that, that I, I would have a hard time loving when I would engage God's word and, and allowed to get all the way to, to meditating on it, spending time with God, listening, allowing God to speak through me, to me quietly about certain passages and scriptures, I, I, was, I, I, I cared for people I didn't care about before. Um, to be very honest. Um, so if you feel like in your life, in your relationship with God, this book um, is just kind of setting there gathering dust, or you feel like you're not hearing God's voice as clear as you would like, if you feel like my life, my relationship with God is the same this year as it was last year, I encourage you to think about um, engaging scripture in a deeper way, hearing God's voice, allowing God to breathe into your life through scripture in, in, a, in a more engaging way. Um, because that's what biblical authority in my mind boils down to. It's not just a principle, but it's, it's the fact that God speaks to us through this book in a mighty, mighty way if we allow God to. And in the past, I used to look at this as, oh gosh, I'm not doing enough. I should feel guilty. I'm not doing enough. I'm letting God down. And yeah, you can, you can go there if you want and kind of give yourself a guilt trip, but that's not what I'm about this morning. The purpose of this, from my perspective, is this incredible opportunity that God is giving us that we have where he's, God speaks into our lives. It takes a little bit of work on our part. It takes a little bit of commitment, a little bit of discipline. But when we seek God by opening the Bible, by listening to God's voice, by engaging with other people, by meditating on it and allowing God to speak through those thoughts and those things, God transforms our lives. It's an amazing, powerful, powerful thing that we are so thankful for. With that in mind, let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you so much that you are not a distant God, that you didn't just put this book together and then leave us alone to, to read it and try to figure it out on our own, but you speak to us through it. You breathed it into existence and you continue to breathe through it into our lives today. Lord, as we live in this world and, and are so desperate to know you, to hear from you, to follow you, Lord, help us to hear your voice through your word. 
Thank you for being here with us today. Thank you for speaking to us through your word. Thank you for loving us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.